Welcome. Welcome to our sermon. Today's focus continues our worship series, The Grace Way, and today we're looking at God's focus for us. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, pour down your Holy Spirit on us, both individually and as your community of saints. Open our hearts and minds to hear from you what it means to be your disciples, your church on this earth, and where our focus should be. Loving Father, we thank you that it's your church and that you give us a focus. May we see and hear that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So far in the grace way we've looked at, foundational to this message of grace is the cross of Jesus. Jesus coming into this world and suffering and dying for each of us to pay the price for our sins so that we could have life with God forever. And then last week we looked at how God speaks to us through his life-giving word. Remembering that grace is about not about what we do, but about what God is doing, has done and will do for us and also through us. And so today we continue our worship series, The Grace Way, and we look at us as the church. We look at us as what is God's focus for us, his community, his church. Now, when you think of the church, there are many things that come to mind. And many people have ideas of what the church should be like and how the church should look. Maybe you can relate to some of these. Some people are focused on the building I remember talking to a congregation who were talking about moving and some people said, if we move, we're no longer coming to church because it's no longer the church. And what they were saying was the building was what gave them their identity as the church. Then we have other people who will focus on particular styles of worship, some on traditional and some on contemporary and believe that that is the church or particular energy within worship, or particular things that are happening in worship. Now, worship is important for us, but when we start to make the style of worship more important, when we start to make us, what we do, and and particular likes and interests that we have about particular things, some things and other things we don't like, maybe we're missing what God intends for his church. Other people have a view of a good church is one that has strong Bible studies and people gathering around the word um, constantly together and everybody learning and good teaching. Other people, when they think of the church, think what's most important is that we're serving each other. We're going out of our way and it's serving and serving and serving each other. And connected to that, there are people who have a focus that the church should be a caring church. And that should be its predominant focus. I've actually had people who have said, I'm going to leave the church you're pastoring because there's another church down the road who's more caring and I don't sense you as caring as a church. And usually it goes like this. Pastor, there's nothing about you. I know you're a caring person, but other people in the church are not as caring. We need to be more caring. The church down the road is more caring. And so their focus about what the church is about is a caring church. Then we have some who the church is about what's said in the constitution and that's what we should be doing. So the constitution of the church. Now, the difficulty with this sort of thinking is that the constitution is supposed to reflect who we are, not dictate to us who we are. And then we have people who, when it comes to the church, said, I'm only interested in a church where I'm comfortable. 
I'm only interested in the church that does things the way I feel like or has people like me or does things the way I like. And I'm only interested in church who doesn't speak too much about sin or speak too much about serving or speak too much about giving. I want a comfortable church, a church where I can get away from the worries of the world and just come and relax and not be stressed. Can you relate to any of those? Or maybe you find it easier to see other people relate to those. Our discussion today, our focus today in today's message encourages us to remember this, that we are all part of God's church. That God's church is his collection of people, all sorts of different people, but it is God's church. From our reading earlier we heard, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And something similar is reflected in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 13. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but it's all its many parts form one body, So it is with Christ, for we were all baptised by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. And so as we think about this aspect, that God, what's God's focus for us, God's focus for us as his church, let's remember this. What is important? It is God's agenda and not ours. It's God's agenda and not ours. Because too easily we can fall into the trap of, ah, church is not like how I used to have it. Or it's not like how it was when I've moved. It should be like this. Or I only like this style of music. But there is something more important for us to focus on as God's church, something more foundational, something that's more important for us as we be God's church here on earth. You see, the Reformation, which happened back in the 1500s, was a point in time where not just Martin Luther, but quite a number of other people were brought back to God's agenda. Luther, on reading the Bible, actually saw and reflected on that what was happening in the church, people's attitudes, not just the priest, not just the pope, but even people's attitudes were not consistent with the key or central message of Scripture. And so the Reformation was a point in time where people refocused on God's grace in the church, where they refocused that God's grace was the most important message the church has to to receive and to give. And therefore, if it's about God's grace, it means that the church is less about human ideas of unity and enforced unity. You know, one of the challenges we have as humans is we, we want to have unity. You know, it feels good when we have unity. The scriptures talk about um, it's good when people live together in unity. But what we then tend to do is try to create a human idea of unity Everybody does the same thing. Everybody looks the same. We like to be like a well-oiled army 
from some countries where communism dominates. We want this enforced unity. And often it goes like this. Everybody should be doing this because that's what I believe is correct in the church. And so we end up trying to enforce our ideas on others, which actually smothers grace. It's also less about glamorous buildings. Now, buildings are important and good buildings are important. Buildings that serve us in his, God's mission are important. But when we refocus on God's grace, it's less about the glamorous buildings. When we refocus on God's grace, it's less about how good we are or at least how good we look and more about how good God is. Heard a pastor this week who says the only way, the only way he can see to actually help people see God's grace and love and mercy and how good it is is actually to reveal to people how bad he is, how not so good he is. And what he's talking about, because when he does that, he then highlights how God's grace deals with all his sin, deals with all his problems. And so when we're focused on God's grace, it's less about us looking good, us having everything together, us being the perfect group of people, and more about being humble, more about being people who recognise that we need God's grace. And therefore, it's also less about traditions for the sake of traditions. Focusing on God's grace is about understanding what what of our traditions are helpful in sharing God's love and sharing God's grace with others, not just with ourselves, but with others. And as if you go if you go into a lot of the writings in the of the Reformation, you actually see this come up from time to time. Don't force traditions on people. Don't make traditions compulsory, or don't practice condition traditions in such a way that everybody feels that you have to do them to have God's love. And so when we free focus on grace, traditions for the sake of traditions become less important. And likewise, a particular style of worship is less important. And when we talk about style, we're often talking about music. I find it very sad, very disheartening when people are more concerned about the music or the style of worship than they are about being part of God's family and God's community, being people who are working together with others, especially people who are different, to share God's love in the world. And a refocus on God's grace means we're less worried about everyone acting and doing the same thing. In fact, we look forward to people being with people who are different from us, who can complement us, who can actually reveal something and and do something with us. And so a question for you to think about, a question for me to think about in all of this, is if we are refocusing on God's grace, is how do we live out and communicate the biblical understanding of God's love and grace? What does it mean for us to live out and communicate the biblical understanding of God's love and grace where we live, both individually and as a church. If it's more about what God's doing and less about how we look and what we do, what might that look like in your life? How might you react to when people point out something's wrong? 
How might you encourage people to see that the Christian church is a place for sinners who need God's love and mercy and grace and not a place for perfectionists who have it all together, who do everything like it used to be done? Some years ago, a friend of mine who joined the church said when he joined the church, he said, the church is like a schizophrenic place. And what he was talking about, because where he joined, there was a number of different congregations. And he went to one and he said, that congregation, that congregation feels like a, a museum for God. They want to do things back, but they don't want to go so far back. And they don't want to go forward. He said, but fortunately, one of the other congregations he engaged with is like a, a greenhouse of Christianity, where life is there, where things are changing but the message of life through Jesus Christ remains the same. So think about that question. Take time during the week to think about, turn this over as how are we living out and communicating the biblical understanding of God's love and grace. And remember this, that many of the people we interact with will say things like, actions speak louder than words. So think about not just what you say, But think about how you relate to people. Is it reflecting God's grace and love in the world? Or is it reflecting something else? One of the key documents from the Reformation was a document called the Augsburg Confession. And it was written in about 1530. And what it was was a document where um, by this stage, those who were following Luther and the Catholic Church were at real loggerheads. And the local government said, look, I want you to get together and try to find some common ground, some unity. And so those who are following Luther and the Lutheran understanding of life and teaching sat down, thought about what is the Bible saying to us about being God's church. And one thing you need to remember is that they weren't a group of people who were looking to start something new. They weren't going, oh, I'm sick of these old old Catholic church. I don't want to be part of this. Right? What they wanted to happen, what they were encouraging to happen, was to encourage people to, within the Catholic church to come back to Scripture and understand what God is calling them to do and who God is calling them to be. And so out of this document, which forms part of our Lutheran confessions, there are a number of articles. The first three focus on being one church, often referred to Catholic as in small c, not Roman Catholic as we know today, but Catholic as in small c, being one church, being a united church. And we'll look a little bit further at each of these articles in a few moments. Articles 4 to 21 focuses on, focus the people on being evangelical. And being evangelical in some areas has this negative connotation because it's about rules and about bad the church dictating to others and putting others down. Well, that's not the meaning of evangelical at all in the Augsburg Confession. In fact, I think the Lutheran Church should going out of its way to reclaim this world because the word evangelical simply means living out the good news, living in the good news and living out the good news. And so Articles 4 to 21 of this Augsburg Confession encourages us 
to be evangelical, to that be our major focus as a church. And then Articles 22 to 28, and this is where there was problems that the, those following the Lutheran understanding of life and what scriptures were saying, this is where they highlighted some of the problems that they saw. And this focuses us on to being the church that needs to be reforming, to be people who are changing. So where the church, which is Christian community, needs to reform. And so these three sections of the Augsburg Confection actually is what God reveals to us through the scriptures of how we should be church, what we should be focusing on. The first, being one church, means that we focus on God is the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, that God is all-encompassing. It also means that we focus on we need God because of original sin. That a major message for us is that we need God. And it focuses on that only Jesus can reconcile us to God. That is the central message of the church. And you'll find around the world, that's what most Christians and all Christian churches focus on. That we have God, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. That we need God because of original sin. And that only Jesus can reconcile us to God. In other words, only Jesus can give us salvation. Another way to look at this is to say that God has brought together a wide variety of people to receive his grace and use their gifts in different ways to worship God and help others worship God. That should be our focus. Our focus should be on God. Not what we have to do, as I said last week, not to read the Bible on what's my instructions for today, but rather to read the Bible and look at what God's doing, what God's up to, how God is calling us to be part of his church. And what we see is God has this love for all people. You know, constantly in the New Testament, you know, Jesus said, at the end of Matthew, when he has what we call the Great Commission, the emphasis on all nations. God has this constant focus. He wants all people, all sorts of people. I want you to think about the people you're living with, interacting with, but living, being part of your life at the moment, whether they be at work, whether they be your neighbours, whether they be the people you've bumped into on the way to church, whether they be anyone else you've had either seen or had words with. God would love all those people to be part of his church, to first receive his grace and then use their gifts to help others to worship him and to invite others to come and worship him. So when we have a focus on grace, we focus on not ourselves, not we, what we want out of church, but we focus on what God is looking to do through us as a community, through us, his church, where he reveals that he's concerned about every aspect of our life, where he reveals to us that he's prepared to help us in our need because of original sin, and where he reveals to us that he's not going to punish us, but he's going to reconcile us. He's going to reach out his arms 
and love us through Jesus' death and resurrection so that we can have life with him. The second section of the Augsburg Confession comes up. But before we get there, let's go back to that slide and remember we are all part of God's church. And so as part of God's church, remember it's God's agenda and not ours. It's God's agenda of sharing his love, sharing his grace, recognising that we not only may stuff up, that we have stuffed up and will continue to stuff up and we need his forgiveness. And that forgiveness and grace is a central part of who we are. And so that leads us to this second section, being evangelical. All of us are called to be evangelical. And being evangelical, it's about God's good news. Jesus justifying us. It's about what God is doing for us. This week I heard a story of somebody who has converted to Christianity. And they said it took them quite a while to convert to Christianity because they kept hearing from the church that God was going to give them good news. But when they came to the church, when they interacted with Christians, they didn't feel much good news because the good news they were looking for was God's going to make me rich. God's going to give me a partner who just adores and loves me. God's going to make my life easier. And they said it wasn't until they heard that the Christian message is about God's good news for us, the real good news that we need, is that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And they actually confessed that they didn't want to talk too much about sin. They wanted to hide that sin. But they have recognised that that's the most important good news any of us can receive. And so being evangelical is about living in that state, that my life is dependent on the good news that God is giving me that Jesus has died on the cross and rose for me so I can have life with God, that my future with God has been secured not because of anything good I've done. And as we then go through the rest of the New Testament, there are other blessings that come out of that, but it doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to be rich. It doesn't necessarily mean we're necessarily going to have the perfect marriage. It doesn't mean necessarily we're going to have everything we want or life's going to be nice and comfortable. And so being evangelical is also about us constantly receiving God's good news. This is a message that we constantly need to hear. Because as we live in this world, and I don't know about you, but as I read the newspaper, as I talk to people, as I interact with some groups of people, it's not about somebody wanting to include me because of what they have done. It's about what I have to do or about what I can't do. But being evangelical is about wanting to include people because of what God's done. And first of all, we need to receive that. We need to receive that constantly. Many of the early reformers have said, this is a message I need to receive daily because the world is telling me something else. The world is telling me I'm not worthy. I'm not up to scratch. 
I haven't quite made it. Oh, I'm okay, but I'm, you know, I'm not quite there yet. But being evangelical is about being somebody who receives God's good news regularly. And then it's about us bringing God's good news and love into the lives of others through our life, our words and our actions. That's what all those points cover. It's quite interesting within those points that those articles of the Augsburg Confession which focus on being evangelical, many of those are trying to say, you don't have to do all this stuff to prove to God you're good enough. You already are good enough because of Jesus. But we do things to help us have a relationship with God, to understand our calling in life. I read, was reading some other material this week in preparation for Advent and it was talking about the spiritual disciplines we have in our life and unfortunately within the, some aspects of the Lutheran Church people have dismissed spiritual disciplines because they're not compulsory for salvation and that is absolutely true. But what the confessions say and what Luther encouraged people to see is the spiritual disciplines that, that are available that God gives us, such as prayer, Bible reading, worship, Bible study, they shouldn't be optional, but they're like good exercises for us to help us be prepared to live in this world as God's good news bearers. And so being evangelical is not just about us receiving, but it's also about us living in such a way that we reflect and share God's good news to people. That's why when you get to the Eighth Commandment and Luther's examination of the Eighth Commandment and he goes deeper and he said, it's not just about not saying bad things about people, but it's also about explaining their actions in the kindest possible way so you can bring hope and good news into their life. In other words, everything we aim to do as God's people comes from and communicates God's unconditional grace in Jesus Christ. And so we come to the thing of being evangelical. Our reading from Isaiah chapter 52 is a great reminder about what it means to be people who bear good news. It says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. You see, our purpose on life is to be people who worship and people to help others worship. And that's why we be bearers of good news in the world. Not to encourage people to come to church for good music. Not to encourage people to come to church because um, they like the preaching or it's entertaining. And hopefully we can be all of those but encouraging people to come to church to, to know the God who gives them good news. That's what being evangelical is. That everything we aim to do as God's people comes from this good news that God has for us and it communicates God's unconditional grace in Jesus Christ to the world. And so the third focus that God has for us Therefore, is that we be people who are always reforming. Because I don't know about you. I'm not, I'm not the perfect bearer of good news in the world, either to my family or to the world around me. I haven't always got it right. 
Sometimes I can be too harsh on myself or on others. Sometimes I'm more inclined to want to speak rules and laws into people's lives than God's love, God's hope. And therefore, we need to be always reforming. You see, the problem that was existing around the time of the Reformation, there were certain actions of the church and certain actions of individuals that dominated their lives that set a message to others that you're not good enough, that you are failing, that if you want to have a relationship with God, you have to really earn it or you have to live up to our expectations. And what this group of Christians who were following the teachings and understanding that Luther had from the scriptures recognised is that if we're going to be bearers of good news, we need to be people who are always reforming. Reforming as individuals and reforming as a church. And so we recognise we are not perfect bearers of the gospel. We live in a world that is very judgmental. We live in a world that is quick to highlight the sins and actually thrive off the sins of others to try to put them in their place. You know, the church is going through this at the moment around the world where the church has been complicit to some sins. Now, there's two ways we could act at least with that. One is to be very defensive. Another way to act is to be humble and recognise that sin has occurred in the church. Or a third way to act is to say some within the church have sinned and we, we take responsibility for that. But there is also much more good news in the church, much more healthy things in the church than those bad news. So as people who are always reforming, we recognise and it's a part of our life that we are not perfect bearers of the gospel. We don't try to cover it up, we don't try to hide it, but instead we recognise in our lives that when we open scripture, when you hear a sermon, when we do a Bible study, that God may actually say, hey, there's a problem. We also recognise that some of our ways distract others and maybe even ourselves away from the gospel. Maybe we're too selfish or too self-centred Maybe we're too concerned about, oh, how long is this worship going to go? Because I want to go somewhere else. Maybe we are so focused on a particular way of doing church that suits us, that we are comfortable with, that we don't hear that that actually gets in the road of somebody else hearing the gospel. And that's what happened around the time of the Reformation. There was some major changes that happened. There's this thing called Adi Afra that is written in another part of the Confessions, which basically says there are many good things that we do in church, but not all of them. They're all optional. They're not essential for the gospel. And the reason that's there is because some people were making those optional things essential. And being always reforming, we recognise that God is constantly at work changing our hearts and minds. God is constantly wanting to work on us and change our hearts and minds. Sometimes we can be stubborn and close-minded. Sometimes we can come along and go, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to listen to what's in the Bible readings. I'm not going to listen to a sermon. I'm not going to listen to what happens in worship. 
because I think I've got it all right. Some years ago, I had a discussion with somebody who'd been a member of the Lutheran Church and I'd say they're saved. I'm not going to say they're not saved. But the issue was they didn't believe they needed to learn anything more about God because they did it all in confirmation and they had everything right. And their comment was, I've heard it all before. Well, their problem was that many others were saying to them, you're not being gospel bearers and they couldn't take it. They didn't think they needed to change. As people who are part of the church, we should be people who are always open to where God's leading us to change as a result of our interaction with God through the scriptures. You see, God's spirit is revealing to us where we, that's both us personally and us as a church, needs to change. So we think, speak and live in ways that are consistent with the gospel. We need to hear the gospel. We need to recognise that for our own health, we need to be people who are reforming. So our attitude is one of gospel field, not just for the benefit of others, but also for the benefit of us ourselves. And so what does all this mean? What does all this mean being a church that is focused on being the one church, being a church um, that is evangelical, being a church that is reforming? Well, here's some thoughts. First of all, as you look at other Christians, see them as colleagues and fellow disciples on the same journey as you, as part of the same team, as part of the same family. This week in our Imago Day Bible studies, there was a great comment and I loved it. And the comment was a challenge to us who are Christians. And it was this, do you come to church and treat others at its best distant family members? people you have arm's lengths from? Or do you come to church and see each other as loved family members, just as God sees them? So that's the first thing is look at each other, be appreciative of everybody here, regardless of their status in society, regardless of how much they've achieved or how little they've achieved, regardless of how much they look like they've got life together or not. See them as colleagues and fellow disciples on the same journey with you. Secondly, focus on God and his key message of saving all by grace. Some years ago, a friend of mine said to me, look, I love this grace message when I apply it to myself. But when I think of others, they should have grace but a bit of law. In other words, he was saying, his natural way of thinking is when he looks at others. Yeah, yeah, they get God's grace, but they need to do something. He said until he recognised that if they looked at him the same way, if God treated him the same way, A, it would raise doubts about whether he's loved by God. B, it would raise question marks of whether he's done enough. And so as you live as one of Christ's disciples... Focus on him and focus on his key message of saving all by grace. Because Article 4 of the Augsburg Confession was a key article, a major article, and it says the only way anyone can have a forever eternal relationship with God is through justification by Jesus. Not by laws, not by living up to what other people have expected of them, not by doing things in a certain way, 
but only through the grace and love of Jesus. And so the third thing in living God's good news focus is let's intentionally live and work with others, especially those who are different from us. Let's look forward to coming to church and seeing how others can complement the way we live and the way we approach things. Let's listen to others. Let's encourage others to be part of our church and the wider church so others may know God's grace and love. And the fourth thing is be a person who lives to share the good news in all aspects of your life. Be a person who doesn't compartmentalise your life so only one part of your life is to do with Christianity, but everything in your life is a place where God is calling you to share his good news, to bring his hope, to help people know they're saved. In other words, wherever you go, wherever there's people, see it as a place where God has placed you so they may know his love, his grace, his mercy, maybe through what you say, maybe through what you do, maybe through how you treat them, maybe through how you go about saying or doing things. And lastly, be a person who's prepared to respond to God's promptings of where he's prompting you to change. So his good news focus stays central in your life. In most of our worship services, we have a time of confession and absolution. And that time is not so God can hear all your sins because he doesn't know them. He knows them all. But that time of confession and absolution has a a two or threefold effect. One is about us recognising, us recognising that we are people who have not got life altogether, that we are people who need to be constantly reforming. And we need God's help to do so. And it helps us identify, particularly during that time of silence which we encourage, specific sins, specific areas in our life which are inconsistent with the gospel, which are inconsistent in sharing God's grace and love with others. So be a person who's open to constantly being challenged by God. And as someone once said to me, they love being challenged by God because it's not like their old principle. They said, when God challenges you, when God highlights a sin, he's not doing it to exclude you. He's not doing it to punish you. He's doing it to help you. Help you know that you're loved and help you love others a better way in his name. What a great opportunity we have to be God's church. All of us, no matter who we are, no matter how small or how tall, no matter how young or how old, no matter how wealthy or how skilled, no matter what nationality we come from, God has called all of us to be part of his church because it's about grace. And God's focus for us as part of his church is a focus on him and his grace, being his church that shares the good news and that is prepared to constantly change as he prompts us to change. May you go in this world, may you go living knowing that God is with you and he wants to saturate your life 
and the lives of others in his grace. Go in his peace and go with his love. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you that you are make it clearer for us through your word that we are your church, that we are your church here on earth to reflect your grace, to bring your grace, to bring your hope that you have given us in Jesus Christ to the people in this world. Lord, as we live, remind us again of that grace constantly. Remind us that you love us and you have forgiven us. But also help us to be people who reflect and bring your grace into the lives of others. Lord, help us not to be fixed on things that have helped us in the past, but rather help us to be people who take what you have given us and use them in a graceful way, in a loving way. And Lord, where we have sinned, where we have been stubborn, where we have not listened to you, we pray for your forgiveness and we thank you that we can be assured of your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for all of our church. May you continue to help us to be your grace bearers when we gather together and when we go out in the world. In your name we pray. Amen.